Hi, I'm Cheyenne. I'm Ash. And this is The Voiceless. All right. That was a weird intro. When you were recording. I just, I just hit record when I said all right, but I said it all really fucking weird. I saw your cat biting his paw. She was licking it and then he was like, hey. <laughs> She's like, I'm mad at you now. <laughs> like those dogs that like bite their own tail and then it's like dude that hurt (laughs) it should because you're weird oh my god my friend's dog ran into an electric fence yesterday it was funny i'm like of course felix would do that and then she's like right everybody else was so concerned and i just started laughing (laughs) your dog was obviously fine (laughs) when they ripped the carpet off of their stairs he it took him a bit to realize that he had to kind of like learn how to rewalk on the stairs because like I guess the first time he tried running down the stairs he just slipped and fell. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dog. That's the dog he gets all dramatic when like Taylor leaves the house even if it's just to like go take out the trash. Like the dog will like literally like sit by the door looking like its life is over. <laughs> I mean it is. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just jump right in. Jump right in. Jump on it. (laughs) Um, yeah, so today we are doing the Watcher House, or I am doing the Watcher House, I guess, technically. I mean, you know about it, so. I do know about it. I know most of it. I can't remember the names. Oh, yeah, we have a special guest today. Special guest host, Christine Josie. Was that? She was on our uh, Tina Fontaine follow-up episode, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. will come out a week before this one, but we recorded that five minutes ago. So we recorded <laughs> time it. travel. We're efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we try. We do. We do our best. Um. Yeah. So this takes place in Westfield, New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna get right into this story. There's not, the background kind of comes later. So yeah, so Derek and Maria Broadus bought the six bedroom house in 2014 for a cool $1.4 million. You know, small change. (laughs) Uh, it is, it's a 1905 Dutch colonial revival style house. Um, all the all the pictures i saw like the the filter on it or whatever just made it look super creepy so you're like i can't really see like what this looks like like it kind of reminds you of like the medieval horror oh yeah it just gives like that spook vibe which i'm like i get that's the that that's the point but some sepia tone (laughs) i I really i've always wanted one of the foundation house like yeah <laughs> I just want you to look creepy. I don't want you to actually be creepy. I want you to look like ghosts partied here, but you know they left at a reasonable time and yeah, like just didn't yeah. come back. Totally <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so this was their dream home back to the neighborhood where Derek had grown up in and uh Maria had grown up nearby. I my dream home is also one point. Four million dollars. <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like at least a million. At least. If you're not at a million, like, what are you doing with your life? Exactly. <laughs> um. 
Yeah. So like we were just talking about, everyone has the house they dream about owning one day and it's usually over the top extravagant or more than you could ever actually afford, but that's what mm-hmm. dreams are for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dreams are made of. <laughs> oh my God. Lizzie McGuire. I think that's on Disney plus. <laughs> Probably. Um, but while this house was their dream home for them and their kids, it quickly turned into the thing of nightmares. Dum, dum, dum. Oh my God, that actually, that uh, just days after the purchase of their home, Derek and Maria started renovations on the inside, and that's when they started receiving strange letters with no return address on the white envelopes first addressed to the new owner. Were they like, were they postmarked or yeah. were okay? Okay, so it wasn't like someone was just like running up dropping shit on no like they put them through like the postal service but with no return address fucking skunks <laughs> um so the first letter said 657 boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now and it is as it approaches its 110th birthday i have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming my grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. What lies in the walls? I got goosebumps oh all of a sudden. Yeah. And I've listened to this like 6,000 times. Um, earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house with their kids, who are 5, 8, and 10 years old. And while they talked with some of their new neighbors, um, their kids and the neighborhood kids um, ran around the backyard. And apparently the person writing these letters took note. Uh, Quote, you have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? (laughs) Better for me. Was Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The young blood. Oh my god. I'll be like, um, I'd like my $1.4 million mansion. Hold the blood, please. Yeah. <laughs> or better yet, just full on shining it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, One night after 10 p.m., Derek was at the house alone, and he noticed another letter. Uh, Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out of any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in a cursive font, The Watcher. Why? Okay, so I, I, just, I get I get that he's writing to the person who owns the house, but, like, why do you need to keep saying the address? I don't know. <laughs> it's in, like, almost every single... It's, like, I don't know. It's almost like that's the name. He's like, I can't forget this address. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you forget it's where like, you live uh, now. Like fucking, he's like Dory. <laughs> 42 or whatever, Wallaby Way, Sydney. <laughs> this has to keep repeating cheap, it so they don't yeah. forget. Um, so Derek, like any any person in this situation, ran around the house turning off all the lights so no one could see inside. 
Um, and then he called the Westfield Police Department. Uh, the officer that arrived to the house read the letter and responded with, quote, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, this doesn't look like a million dollar home, though. I mean, that's like if you look at real estate in Toronto. Oh, yeah. You, exactly. What you get for like a million dollars is like a shack. Obviously, oh, I mean, like, a million dollar house in Winnipeg. They have to actually close down the streets in order to stay a million dollar house. Yeah. Um, the officer then asked Derek if he or his wife had any enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment to the back of the house in case uh, the watcher tried to throw it through a window. Which, I mean, I wonder what kind of construction equipment it was. Because to me, I'm like, construction equipment equals something heavy. Yeah, like, so, like if you're just, like, a DeWalt drill or something? <laughs> well, it could be, like, like when I, we bought our house, they left, like, a whole bunch of, like, vinyl flooring and some Oh, maybe, stuff, yeah. And tiles and, oh, like, maybe, like stones for like the front gate well okay they don't leave stones for my house but i mean that's what i would think of a construction equipment i don't know maybe why renovation equipment would be different yeah do you remember the episode was, was it, it? <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode of the simpsons where someone i forget who it was but someone used ralph as like a brick and they threw him, they threw oh, him through the window that. and he like had a note attached to it <laughs> Poor Ralph. Oh my God. What he said. <clears throat> Chocolate microscopes. Uh, so Derek then rushed back to his wife and kids at their old home. Um, and once he was home, Derek and Maria wrote an email to the old owners, um, John and Andrea Woods, asking if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why they had written quote, I asked the woods to bring me young blood and it looked like they listened. Or looks like they listened. He prayed to the woods, is what you're saying? Or... Um, like the watcher had written, because like the John and Andrea Woods were the people that they bought the house from. Oh, geez. and Yeah, so. Like my brain is just like <laughs> too much information. ADHD unloaded. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, well, and like I'm just reading, there's a little Fun fact here that in December 2018, Netflix won a bidding war for the film rights for this story. So yeah. I wonder if they're actually going to make a film. I think that's in my notes somewhere. I wonder what, yeah. Are they going to call it 657 Boulevard, the movie? That would be funny. Because <laughs> people think it's like an HDTV kind of like house tour. <laughs> I just flipped this house from demonic to the angelic. <laughs> Well, that's like there's there's a new Netflix show. It's called Marriage or Mortgage or something. And mm-hmm. I think the premise of it is you can either have a big, like a decent sized wedding or a down payment for a house. Oh, <laughs> like, I mean, that's exactly what it is. But I'm how like, how do they, how do, how does it work? Well, I guess. Well, we didn't, we didn't spend $10,000 on our wedding. I didn't we do like, that either. definitely use that for a down payment on a house. I yeah. spent $2,000 in total, and I had a social as well. I think I spent $100 for the efficient, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it in our apartment. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, we got... Got 2000 is including my wedding dress, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, my wedding dress... And suit rental. <laughs> my wedding dress was, like, $100. I got it on Mod Cloth. 
And then yeah, we just went I love for your dress. we just went for Chinese food. Yeah, it looks and, like, like we. I made my food for my wedding. Nice, young man. I never got to eat it either. <laughs> That's always the worst. Like literally, it's so bad. People can't see my face right now, but it's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. Everyone was too busy taking pictures of me. <laughs> oh my god. I know you almost need to like put yours like off to the side somewhere oh, where yeah. no one can find it. Be like. If you touch this, I cut you. Yeah, there's literally a picture of me going like this. Because I want food. So, oh, people can't see me do this, but it looks like I'm saying, get away from me, peons. Um, yeah, so Andrea Woods replied the following morning, saying a few days before moving out, they did receive a letter from the watcher, um, but that the note was not threatening like the ones Derek and Maria were, rece- were receiving. It was just more odd, um, so they thought nothing of it and threw it out. In the 23 years that they had lived in that house, they never received a letter, um, so they didn't think much of it, which I honestly, like, I don't think I would think much of it either. And also, like, you're moving, like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Not my problem. Not my demon uh, so later that day, Andrea and John went with Maria to the police station where they told, or wait, hold on, where they were told by Detective Leonard Lugo to not tell anyone about the letters, especially their neighbors, as they're all suspects now. Um, after this, Derek and Maria <clears throat> obviously were on high alert. Derek gave a tour of the renovations to a couple on the block. And during this, he froze when the wife said, quote, it will be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Which I'm like, even if you hadn't received letters that had that, like, young blood in there, if someone said that in your presence, I'd be like, the fuck? Like, yeah, I'd be who, who's like, oh, the young blood, the children. The children. Hocus pocus. Do you have any young blood in the house? <laughs> well, I'm not sure what you fucking mean. There's the door. Uh, their general contractor arrived one morning to see that a heavy sign he had hammered into the ground in the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Um, no word on what the sign said, but probably just like an ad for their construction company is my guess. Um, two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria had stopped by the house to check paint samples and check the mail. In the mail, she found another letter. She recognized, um, the thick black lettering on the envelope and called the police. So this letter said, welcome again to your new home, 657 Boulevard. (laughs) No, I can't say that without laughing. <laughs> Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Uh, the workers have been busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. Um, this time, the watcher addressed Derek and Maria directly, um, although misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Bradis, not Broadus. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, <laughs> do better work. <laughs> uh, which made them wonder, um, had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the contractors address them? Uh, the watcher boasted about learning a lot about the family in past weeks, especially their children. Just some fucking old dude hiding in the bushes. <laughs> Just wake it. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, the letter identified the children by birth order and by their nicknames. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, the ones Maria had been yelling when the kids had been visiting and running in the backyard. Quote, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Um, the letter asked about one child in particular whom the writer had seen using an easel inside their enclosed porch. Quote, is she the artist of the family? <laughs> like, ugh. Okay, um, so more from the letter. It goes, 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, would uh, if you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. I'd look for cellar doors. I'd be like, is there a way for people to get into my yeah. basement? Just like the attic, like oh my god, he's looking for water. Oh. Um, <gasps> will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I will know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. I can then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I'm the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you, brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have, have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. So, okay, so when was this, when was this letter sent to me? This was two weeks after the purchase of the home. And this is, I think, the second or third letter they've received. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> like, moving in, it's been two weeks, bro. So well, because they they bought it and then they started renovating the inside oh, before moving in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after this, obviously, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. <laughs> and uh, they were no longer sure when or if they would ever move in, which, like, valid. I fucking wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, mm, that's okay. They like hard pass, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so several weeks later, they received another letter. Uh, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Whoa. 42 <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so a little bit about the neighborhood that the house is in. Um, so Westfield is 45 minutes from New York and it's, been said to be a bit too slow for singles, um, meaning the town's 30,000 residents are largely well-to-do families, um, which I'm just like, la-ti-da. <laughs> Good for you. Um, the most pressing local issues uh, recently, according to residents, has been the temporary closure of Trader Joe's. Okay, so not the letters <laughs> being sent to this person? No. <laughs> okay, cool. uh, after a roof collapse and the rampant scourge of quote, unconstitutional policing, uh, by which they mean aggressive parking enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh because they're proud of 
problems are so bad. Uh, yeah, Westfield is 86% white. So, <laughs> so you know. Um, so this is a quote from um, the Cut article, which I found a lot of this information in, which I'm going to have linked because it was gigantic and they're you know, copyright stuff. One right. Um, yeah, so one activity all locals recognized as treacherous is trying to buy a house. Um, quote, there's a lot of money and a lot of ego, said one resident who requested an anonymity. I have such a hard time with that word. Anonymity. Yes, anonymity. thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what the I feel anonymity like. Anonymity horror. horror. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that person wanted to re- remain anonymous before discussing Westfield real estate. They said, quote, I've seen bidding wars where friends lo- lost by $300,000. Um, the Broadus's house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some of the more desirable homes in town. As the watcher had noted, quote, the boulevard used to be the street to live on. You made, you made it if you lived on the boulevard. That's like here, uh, you made it if you like live on Wellington. Yeah. Yeah, and like tuxedo or whatever. (laughs) Um, So built in 1905, the house was one of the grandest homes on the block. And when the Woodses put it on the market, they received multiple offers above their asking price. Um, This had led Derek and Maria to initially believe the letters were for some... (laughs) We're, <laughs> we're from someone upset over not getting yeah. the house. Um, but the Woodses said one interested buyer had backed out after a medical diagnosis and another had found a different home. Uh, in an email to the family, Andrea suggested, um, with the mention of contractor trucks or ch- and your children, suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood. And I'm like, part of me, part of me thinks that the old family is like in on it or something mm. but i mean well i mean who he, knows? Did, he did say that he asked them to put the house on market and they listened yeah so, and so but i mean this could be somebody who who um like okay so brendan and his friends uh, a while ago there used to be at the forks used to be a wall of phone numbers and what they would do is they would just text these phone numbers a picture of a face that they found on google and they would just like zoom screenshot zoom screenshots they feel horrible about doing this before because they didn't realize that these are like little like these are just kids putting their numbers on a wall they're just like they're just texting all these kids or anybody and just they were just texting these people yeah zoomed in faces like (laughs) could you imagine getting out fucking horrifying yeah and then just zoomed in on their nose and stuff like that so like to me it makes me think it's like somebody who's just trying to with them but also if you think about it like why would somebody like try and like sit outside the house and like mention the little girl like working with artwork and, mm-hmm. like that's it's creepy that seems a little excessive for a prank yeah so it it's like yeah. a predator sort of vibe it's just kind of <laughs> weird how like kind of. voyeuristic it is. Like, yeah, you're always being watched. I mean, I would probably like just give the finger like randomly on the ground. <laughs> like, hey, it does make me think that maybe it's a neighbor who really wanted to like 
lived there or was like jealous or something or like in the fucking first season of uh american horror stories like murder house you know yeah. how like everyone like Constance like yeah. Jessica Lang's character was always wanting to yeah. like move back in the house and she was always coming over to the house like walking yeah. in randomly and just doing this shit and we're yeah. all like dude you don't live here yeah I also think like if they wanted these people to stay in the house <clears throat> wouldn't you think you'd do better than sending them letters about how creepy you are like, yeah you really want young blood to be in that house maybe like do a little kinder <laughs> Bring over cookies. <laughs> be a little <laughs> less weird well, about it. Yeah, even like be creepy and be like, well, these are your neighborhoods. But then like, don't send letters like that. Yeah. I don't want someone to stay. You want to sacrifice anybody. That's not the way to do it. Yeah, we're glad <laughs> your children are here. It's like, yeah, that doesn't sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the letters themselves did indicate proximity. They were processed in uh, Kearney, I think that's how it said, which is the U- U.S. Postal Service's distribution center for northern New Jersey. Uh, the first letter was postmarked for June 4th, which was before the sale was public. Um, they never put a for sale sign up in the yard. So. Oh. <laughs> Bougie. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, one day. Um, this was a day after contractors had started working on the renovations. These renovations, though, were primarily interior, and nearby neighbors said that they never noticed any unusual commotion, not even the jackhammering in the basement. Um, they showed the detective the easel referenced in one of the letters, and the spot the easel was in was hidden from the street by bushes and trees, making it difficult to see unless... (laughs) Unless so someone was behind the house or right next door. Um, a few days after the first letter, Derek and Maria went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the neighborhood. As per the police instructions, they hadn't told anyone about the watcher or the letters. Um, and they scanned the party for any clues and kept a very close eye on their kids who were running through the crowd. As, you know, most kids do. Fucking running and screaming and chaos. I don't know. I wouldn't let my kid run through a fucking crowd. (laughs) No, I wouldn't Any one of these people could be the watcher. What are you doing, Like, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, Maria said, quote, we kept screaming at them to stay close. People must have thought we were crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I take back what I said. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, Derek was talking to John Schmidt, who lived two doors down. Schmidt, eh? I know, that's what I thought of when I was reading. The... Uh, John had mentioned the Langfords who lived between Derek and himself. Um, Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all of their all in their 60s, uh, lived with her. Her 60-year-old children lived with her? Yes. Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah. 60-year-old children. Yes. Lived with her. Yes. Well, she must have been, what, 10? Was she, you're like, well, she's 90. Oh, she's so in her 90s, and all of her children who are in their 60s all live with her. Okay, all right, my brain had a break. <laughs> gotcha. I had, like, a synapse break. <laughs> gotcha. uh, John said the family was a bit odd but harmless. He mentioned one of the younger ones, Michael Langford, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest, Hem- Ernest Hemingway, um, and he described him described him as kind of a Boo Radley character. Boo Radley. 
Um, Who's Blue Raspberry? I don't know. I I googled it and now I'm like blanking on it. Um, but yeah, so Derek was like, okay, case solved, like cool, done. Um, is that guy? The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch, and the family had lived there since the 1960s when the watcher's father, the letter said, had been begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford. The family patriarch had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for better part of two, or the better part of two decades. <clears throat> when Derek brought this to police, thinking it was solved, they informed him that they knew about Michael and had already interviewed him regarding the letter the day after the first one arrived, but he denied knowing anything about the letter. Although the detective mentioned that uh, the narrative of what Michael said match the letters but there is no hard evidence so shit out of luck <laughs> after a few weeks police chief uh or the police chief told Derek and maria that short of an admission there wasn't much they could do um Derek was quoted saying this is someone who threatened my kids and the police are saying probably nothing's gonna happen but probably isn't good enough for me which as a parent i'm like Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Mm-hmm. Thousand percent. Um, after the second letter, Derek told police that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. Quote, this person attacked my family and where I'm from. If you do that, you get your ass beat. Also agree. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a dancing cat. <laughs> Some guy dancing uh-huh. <laughs> oh, the internet. Uh, so frustrated with the lack of police assistance, the Broadduses began their own investigation, installing surveillance cameras. Um, Derek was spending nights crouched in the dark, waiting or watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. Um, so a quote from that same article: um, Maria thought I was crazy. Uh, he recently told me at a coffee shop in Manhattan where he covered a table with documents relating to the case, including copies of the letters which he and his wife had shared with only a few friends and family members. He showed me a map displaying when each of 657's neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s, with overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. Only a few homes fit both criteria. Um, yeah, so once again, like, I'm going to link the the cut article in the show notes, and, like, I do suggest to people to go read it because it's, it's a long one. But he, this guy, like, sat down with Derek and Maria and, like, got, like, their story, like, word for word. So, oh, wow. yeah. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Derek and Maria also turned to several experts. Um, a private investigator who stalked, or who stalked, who staked out the house and, <laughs> uh, and ran background checks on the Langfords. Um, Derek had reached out to a former FBI agent who was actually the inspiration for Cleary Starling in um, The Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. They were apparently on the high school board of trustees together, which I'm like, that's cool. Freedom. Uh, they also hired another retired FBI agent um, to conduct a threat assessment. Um, his name was Robert Le- 
Lenahan? Lenahan? I don't fucking know. Um, so Robert noted old-fashioned ticks in the letters that suggested an older writer. Um, he wondered if maybe the Watcher had watched the Keanu Reeves movie titled The Watcher, in which Keanu stars as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. I remember that movie. I don't think I've seen it, but I'm like, I need to watch this. Oh, yeah. No, it's a pretty good one because, like, the whole thing is, like, Keanu Reeves' character. Um, He sends James Spader, who plays the detective, he sends him pictures of the women before he kills them. He's like, this is the woman I'm going to kill. And then the detective has to try to find the woman in the picture. And then, Maybe um, I have seen it. Yeah, that sounds then, familiar. Because like it yeah. was, it was kind of ridiculous. Because I think that's the one where Keanu Reeves didn't even really want to do a lot of the um, promo for it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really like top build or anything. I think he just didn't really want much to do with it afterward. But <laughs> it's a creepy movie. Like he goes in and like he um, he like uses piano wire to strangle these women. Fun. just terrifying and like they're just listening to true crime i'm like this i don't want to get murdered by strangling i don't want to get beaten to death i don't want to drown (laughs) (laughs) your options are limited i know oh my god um so robert also didn't think the watcher would ever act on the threats but said the letters had enough typos and errors to imply erratic behavior there was also, <laughs> you mean regulated people don't just send send creepy letters to new neighbors and be like, mm, young blood. I mean, I feel like what got me off guard was the, the fact that they keep constantly saying what the address was. <laughs> As if he'd forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was also a, um, there was also seething anger aimed at the wealthy specifically. The Watcher was upset by, quote, new money moving into town. Um, quote, are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? <laughs> what is the difference between... I think, because Hoboken is like a suburb of New York or something. That's like Cake Boss situation oh the um, only thing i remember about hoboken is like you know in dude where's my car at the end when the uh the dude aliens are like we hereby banish you to hoboken new jersey like, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny um so more of the letter i think this is a new one or i don't know there's so many fucking letters i can't keep track of that's awesome. crazy um so it goes the house is crying from all of the pain it is going through you have changed it and made it so fancy you're stealing its history it cries for the past and what used to be in the time when i roamed its halls the 1960s were a good time for 657 boulevard when i ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there the house was full of life and young blood then it got old and so did my father but he kept watching it until the day he died. And now I watch it and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Um, So the investigation, for what it's worth, um, the focus remained on the Langfords. And in cooperation with the police, Derek and Maria sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response, um, but nothing happened. 
Detective Lugo brought in Michael Langford for a second interview, but got nowhere. Um, and his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family. Mm-hmm. Eventually, lawyer Lee Levitt was hired by Derek and Maria, who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with the photos showing how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. And as can be expected, the meeting grew tense, and um, with the Langfords insisting that Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had a dream where he confronted the eldest Langford, Peggy, and demanded she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. Um, Marie was having other kinds of dreams, though. (laughs) One night, she woke up after an especially vivid dream about a man who lived nearby. Quote, he was wearing these boots and carrying a pitchfork and calling to the kids, and I couldn't get to them in time. I'm like, I had nightmares. Not like that, but like of when I was pregnant of like all the bad things that could happen to me or like Drake before he was born or after he was born. And I'm like, thanks pregnancy hormones. <laughs> like I'm not having a hard enough time sleeping. already. No. <laughs> Let's just doomsday it while I sleep. Um, but by the end of 2014, the investigation was stalled. Um, The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of a crime that could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. I mean... Um, Quote, it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Um, said Scott Kraus, who helped investigate the case for the Union County Prosecutor's Office. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options, Um, so Derek showed the letters to his priest, who agreed to bless the house. Okay, so the renovations at 657 Boulevard, um, including a new alarm system, were finished within a few months, but the idea of moving in filled the Broadduses with overwhelming anxiety. I mean justified (laughs) Uh, could they let their kids play outside or have friends over would they get a new letter every week Um, Derek had priced out trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans quote all you have to do is work out in the backyard every day (laughs) (laughs) it is a little bit funny um, but the Broadduses hadn't bought 657 to feel bunkered into a fortress. Quote, at the end of the day, it came to what, or it came down to what are you willing to risk? We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way, uh, said Maria, I believe. Yep. Um, <laughs> good for him. Uh, Derek. <laughs> That's okay. I'm like trying so hard to be like, be serious. It's not working. Be serious. These people are really creeped over. Derek had been responding to occasional alarms at the house, um, sometimes in the middle of the night, bringing a knife with him just in case. Um, It didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. Another letter wrote, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. 
it is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? <laughs> it used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. I'm good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. hard pants. <laughs> I'm gonna get right out of here. Fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Derek and Maria had obviously by this time sold their previous home because I think this was like three or four months later they were still dealing with this. Um, so they had moved in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes for 657 Boulevard. I can only imagine the price tag on that. Um, they only told a couple of friends about the letters and why they weren't moving in, which led others to question why. Um, they would tell most people like legal issues, um, which led some people to believe they were getting a divorce. <laughs> Um, sure, whatever, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Apparently, like the stress was causing like them to fight a lot which i can understand which and totally they sense. had to start taking like medication to sleep oh right i remember i remember that like the mom was on like sleeping meds especially for a yeah while. um derek said quote i was a depressed wreck and uh maria had decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with a how are you caused her to burst into tears um the therapist said she was suffering post-traumatic stress that wouldn't go away until they got rid of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so six months after the letters arrived, the Broadduses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. Um, they initially listed it for more than they paid to reflect the renovations they'd done. Um, but apparently rumors travel quick in suburban New Jersey and uh, they had already begun to swirl about why the house sat empty. One broker emailed um, to say her client loved it, but that quote, there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around (laughs) raging from sexual predator to stalker um, and that they needed to know more. Derek and Maria sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers and told Uh, Coldwell Banker, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in well below the asking price, but the Broadduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit and only wanted to share the letters with likely buyers. Um, No one got that far even after they uh, lowered the price. Um, A Coldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessarily forthcoming. Quote, my friend got horrible threatening letters about her dog barking and she didn't think to disclose. End quote. Um, but the Broadduses insisted, I don't know how you live through what we did and think you could do it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like compassion. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> common sense. That isn't so common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so garbage. <laughs> in Westfield, people were on edge obviously. Um, 
Lori Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in the house behind um, the Watcher House, had said that one of her students <laughs> came for a lesson shortly after the news of the Watcher broke and started bawling. Quote, she was terrified to walk down the boulevard. Um, at first, the Westfield Town Council meeting after at the first Westfield Town Council meeting after the letters became public, um, Mayor Andy Skibinski assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year and that even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhaustive. I mean, I feel like they say that no, all the time. Just doing quotation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes. Lasers. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, the mayor said that the police investigation was exhaustive, um, but this was apparently news to 657's neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops. So, like, extensive. <laughs> uh, quote, I ain't never heard about the cops before my life, bro. <laughs> quote, we are confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all of the neighbors with proximity to the home. So several of the neighbors wrote in a letter to the local paper um, their concerns about, like, how exhaustive the investigation actually was if they had never talked to anybody. Um, like, most of them didn't even really know this was going on in the first place. So. <laughs> um, so under the glare of national attention... Yeah, that's true. I just thought about that. They just they, they said that they went to all the neighbors with the, the letter to try and figure out who had it, right? Uh, they like, said that they did an extent or an exhaustive like investigation into who it was, but none of the neighbors other than the Langfords had ever heard about how's these it, letters. How's it extensive though? Yeah. yeah. It's extensive into the Langfords. <laughs> um yeah, so under the glare of national attention. Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, was asked to look at the case. Quote, the Broadduses are victims, and I don't think they got the support they needed. Uh, Chambliss, who has since retired, said of the initial investigation. Chambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford. Um, according to his brother, Sandy, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things like walk through their backyard or peek into the windows of homes that were being renovated. But those who knew him um, said that he did these odd things, but um, he was just like an unusually kind neighbor in a strange way. So, I mean, Makes sense. Um, quote, he goes out and gets the newspapers for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lived next door. Um, people who had known Michael for decades told me they didn't think he was capable of writing the letters. And when I say me, I mean the person who wrote the article where I got some of this information from, not me specifically. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. talked to these people. I mean, please, please don't quote these pedophiles and molesters. Mm -hmm. and no one thought that they would ever be like that. And oh, yeah. Bill Cosby. And all that. <laughs> So, like, by someone sending out, like, that would, that would be a person to write those letters? You got nothing, bro. <laughs> well, yeah. Look at, like, the Centoya Brown long episode. Like, the yeah. person who he was like a her youth pastor and ran like, Sunday school, uh, pillar of the community. Well, yeah, it's something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so as Chambliss looked into the case, he discovered something surprising. Um, investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Um, <laughs> I'm like, all I just see is like <laughs> balls swinging. <laughs> Um, for reference, uh, I ripped off my pom-poms off of my slippers, and now I'm just swinging it around. Oh, like, that's where it's those came from. <laughs> it's just on my keychain. <laughs> my balls. Fight me. <laughs> Pom-pom testies. Um, so Chambliss decided to look more closely at, closely at Abby Langford, who is Michael's sister, um, and she actually worked as a real estate agent. So his questioning was like, was she upset about missing commission right next door? Um, and she also worked at the local Lord and Taylor and Chambliss coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift to, I'm like, is that legal? He like, just, just, just pass me her water bottle. Um, She'll I, never know. <laughs> I think if like someone discards property, it's technically considered trash. Like okay, so it's like a gray we... area kind of. I was listening to something just the other day where the guy wouldn't like cops inside his house or anything, so cops just staked out his place until he like took his trash out. Oh yeah, and then like I remember he, he had like thrown out shit in his trash and then they were like gotcha oh that um i know that happened in toronto the that landscaper guy that killed um gay men and dismembered them and then put them into like was underground it? and stuff where he was landscaping people's yards oh uh, uh john wayne gacy but he didn't he wasn't like he didn't eat them or anything but john wayne gacy he would get um, he would convince oh, young yeah. boys like I have a job for you. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he would he would get them to actually start digging holes underneath the house. Yeah. And then if he really liked them, he would just rape them and just put them back in the holes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Although yeah, there's so many that. different documentaries that I've seen about. Like I have a few quote unquote favorites, not because they're like I idolize them, but more like because it's so interesting to learn more about how these predators work. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy were my two like most um, intriguing because uh, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that level of uh, of um, apathy towards another human being um, and that often and they were that's they were like they were both people that no one thought were were killers well that's yeah. just like well BTK he was vice president of his church yeah and like that's how they found him was like he used like the floppy disk like it brought them back to like the ip address or something yeah on the church computer sandwiches of his people and who is it was it ted bundy who installed um or it was someone installed alarms was it btk btk he worked for alarms. yeah okay. adt okay. alarm company okay. or something sorry yeah and like most of his uh like ted bundy was like yeah. the crack cardone of his time and like some of these people are like family men too like yeah like serial killers and stuff which may like i don't want to blame the wife i'm just like how do you not know it's so weird because like i know like it's like i know like, like i understand we they don't yeah. leave the house without yeah. us knowing they yeah house. Like, i know all of their guy friends and like it's it's funny i don't know if um but like the scent, like I'm very familiar with like Ryan's scent. Yeah. And like 
It's not that, like, you know, I, like, fucking sniff him or anything when he comes home. Oh, you're home. sleeping great. <laughs> I mean, like, anytime there are moments when I'm like, oh, you smell good, it's, like, one of those fucking weird, like, You smell um... good. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> you had a shower? Not here. Excuse me? Why the fuck are you washing your asshole? <laughs> I don't need hands. <laughs> Like, it's, it's, like, it's not that I, like, you know, I want to say, like, these people had a part in it, but, like, there were just some behaviors that you just, you feel like you, you would notice, because, like, didn't, like, there were, there are some wives of, like, serial killers in, like, our true crime podcast that we listen to where, like, the wives do like come out and say like well like they, they would make me do this weird sex stuff and yeah like Ted Bundy's wife was like being choked and stuff like mm-hmm. that and then there was another or pretend to be dead I think yeah some shit like that yeah and then there was another one I just like listened to a podcast on him but he would he would tie he would tie up his wife and like make her do like weird like not weird i shouldn't say the term weird but like um it was not her kid, like, but it was his. like yeah but like intense like bdsm stuff without like her consent and stuff and like they had started like dating i think when she was like okay. 14 so there was like okay. a grooming aspect of it yes. too full disclosure for people who listen if you're interested in bdsm there is such a thing called aftercare and it is fucking mandatory yes <laughs> and like it's like anytime there are like in like fucking fifty shades of gray. Like I cannot stand it. No, the BDSM community was like, This isn't what we're about, y'all. Oh, like yeah, I'm not that's a bit that is fifty shades of gray in my opinion is just like a glorified way of um uh, romanticizing a uh, a narcissistic, um like emotional abuser. Yeah. Like yeah. that that person is trying to break her as a human being, like he's been broken by somebody else. Mm-hmm. You're just romanticizing it. Yeah, yeah. That's not how BDSM is. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that I am, I'm not a part of the community, but I've seen enough people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know I re- not, Yeah, I know enough people. I remember people. seeing um, a post, I don't want to call it a meme because that's not what it was, but it was like if Christian Grey wasn't this like wealthy, well to do man, like. Who was attractive. Yeah, it would be like an episode of Criminal Minds. It wouldn't be like. <laughs> Yeah, something so like oh that's so hot like yeah yes back to the wives though i was thinking um back in those days uh i believe that back then there was a lot more stay-at-home moms there was a lot more of that transition of moms having to go back to work or if they didn't have to go back to work they want to stay home with their kids and i feel like back then if they said anything they their lives would be so much harder for that child like not not everyone dreams to be a single mom working a full-time job right so Mm -hmm. they'd rather be silent Mm-hmm. and have their life stay the same for their children's aspects and for their aspects so they'd, they'd rather be ignorant because the love of that relationship is already gone well that and like i'm also thinking about the fact that like the whole like serial killer boom and everything was like all these people were like really active when you know not a lot of news outlets were like serial killers exist and everything so like automatically like yeah we now are like 
with all this technology and stuff, like, it's weird if our husbands don't check in or, like, our partners. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then, then there wasn't cell phones. Exactly. Yeah, and then... Say, I'm on my way. Yeah, and then, like, women were often left at home to care for the family. Mm-hmm. And, like, so because the, the dad or the father, the husband, whatever, was always working, it was like, oh, I'm working late. And it's expected for me to rub, uh, rub shoulders with people. Like, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know. It's It's weird. It's weird. That's weird. Talking about that. But yeah. We could totally do like everything. Yeah. I'm going to write this down. (laughs) Break down patriarchy. (laughs) Burn it all. Yeah. Uh, And I like eat rich. (laughs) (laughs) Become banky. Um, yeah, so he got the plastic water bottle and um, tested it for DNA, but it was not a match. Oh, no. Um, so not long after, the prosecutor prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. Um, they wouldn't say why or how, but they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Which, good, because, like, that poor family, they keep, like, stalking them. Like, you did this! Mm-hmm. Um, so the Broadduses were stunned. They had recently told the prosecutors that they planned to file civil charges against the Langfords and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again. Um, quote, my family moved to the boulevard in 1961, and we never caused a problem for anybody. Um said Sandy Langford. Um, quote, this guy gets all these letters and all of a sudden they are, all of a sudden people are pointing fingers. So left without a suspect, the Broadduses reopened their personal investigation. Um, they were still like wary of sharing too much with their neighbors um, who remained in the pool of suspects, but an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope, um, They hoped somebody might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, um, which is a security firm, um, and the Broadduses had hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired uh, Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and a former... Hello, Kitty. Benji. Oh, hello, Benji. Um, <laughs> are we in your spot? <laughs> I know cats are very particular about their spots. Um, yeah, so they hired Robert Leonard, who is a renowned forensic linguist. Um, he didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scoured local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing, although he did think that the author might watch the Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones, not the Game of Thrones, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I mean, who didn't watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, Jon Snow, obviously, is one of the, um, watchers on the wall so they're like maybe Uh... and i'm like is this some sort of weird like fan fiction kind (laughs) of just has a hard on for (laughs) got um at one point derek persuaded a friend in 
the tech business to connect him to a hacker willing to try breaking into Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents. But doing so turned out to be both illegal and more difficult than the movies made it seem. So they didn't go through with it. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Surprise, breaking into people's uh, Wi-Fi is illegal. Is it? Well, that's what they said, yeah. Yeah. I totally didn't well, try to do like, that at all when I was living on my own. Well, breaking into their Wi-Fi networks to look for incriminating documents on their... Oh, okay. So no, I think I that's more high-tech than just like I didn't do figuring that. out someone's Wi-Fi password. I was mostly doing it because there was someone with the Wi-Fi name of Pussy Palace at my <laughs> old apartment. So I'm like, I kind of just want to see if I can guess this password. <laughs> I was never able to. Pussy Palace one two three. <laughs> I love a pussy. <laughs> one two three. Um. So they were essentially back at square one. The cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her twenty-one-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. I mean, this whole time I didn't even know they had a son. So <laughs> surprise! <laughs> All of a sudden, this is episode of Jerry Springer. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's Maury. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just Montel. Montel. <laughs> <laughs> or what was, um, oh, fuck. Steve something. He used to be a security guard on Jerry Springer. Oh, the, the He ended up with guard. his own show. I don't remember his actual name, but it's like the Steve, Steve Wilco? Wilkes? Steve that, Wilkes? I was going to say Wilcox, but yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. something. Um... A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads, and the initial police canvas had been so porous that it had it had missed a significant clue. Um, around the same time that the Broadduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years, and their kids were grown, um, so they threw the letter away just as the Woodses had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook and then deleted the post. Just watch like this person like, oh, it's a creepy fucking stalker letter. Just throw it out in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, when investi- uh, the investigators spoke to the family, <laughs> I'm having such a hard time right now. Um, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Broadduses, but its existence only made the case more confusing. Um, one night Chambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard um, watching the house through a pair of binoculars hello kitty cat Um, around 11pm a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Chambliss to grow suspicious he says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block the woman told Chambliss about her boyfriend um, and how he was into some, quote, really dark video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so always coming back to the video games. Mm-hmm. Including in um, his memory, one in which he was playing a specific character called The Watcher. As for the female DNA, um, Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped the boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Chambliss says he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions, but he didn't show up either time. Sus. 
Um, so Chambliss unfortunately didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear though. And with the media attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. So while the Broadduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear, for the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban legend. Mm. Um, a house to walk by on uh, on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. Um. So there was a theory that uh, the Broadduses were sending the letters to themselves because they had, like, buyer's remorse on the house. Oh, dang. Which, I mean, like, that's a fairly elaborate... I'm just moving my laptop falling apart. But also, like, like, what would they have been able to gain from that? It's not like they could get their money back, could they, or...? Um, I don't think so. Um, they theorized that, yeah, so there was, like... The potential that they suffered buyer's remorse or realized they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. But then why would that, where would you, why would you feel like you need to disclose that information to the new buyers? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you really wanted to get rid of the house, why would you start telling people, by the way, you've been getting these really creepy questions? Yeah. Like, (laughs) FYI. It's a scam. <laughs> um, another one was that uh, Derek was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud or that they were angling for a movie deal. Um, the Broadduses had received several offers but turned them down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher, um, despite a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses arguing that the couple in its movie was biracial and the letters were signed The Raven. So they're like, it's not about you. We changed the name. <laughs> Oh my god. So it's different. <laughs> um, some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broadduses had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to a $1.3 million one and refinanced their mortgages. Um, a few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home they weren't moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. Um, I mean, if they already started the renovations, part of me is like, you might as well finish it yeah. and then sell it, not like leave it halfway through because well, like, they're already going to have a hard time selling this house. <laughs> like, yeah, Never mind, like, halfway finished renovations on top of it. Yeah. That's kind of standard. Like, that, yeah. It's yeah. It's like, why, why, would, why would you finish? Like, why, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, this paper even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids. <laughs> like, okay. Um... The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and it didn't match. So like, yeah, theories. Um, So obviously, uh, I don't know. I feel like I think it's just somebody in the neighborhood being a creepy asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. That's what I think. I can't, I can't think of anything else. That's what I think it is. I definitely don't think it's insurance fraud. (laughs) 
I I feel like it would be pretty easy to determine whether or not it was the family themselves doing it. Like there have been other cases where it's, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out. Um, what I don't understand is if it's, if it's postmarked, then shouldn't they know which post office it was like? This is New Jersey it came from, but this is like right outside New York, right? This is in New Jersey and the, um, the, yeah, the letter was postmarked from a, uh, post office in Kearney, which is the postal service for northern New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of their like security, security footage? Of- and then there is and then I think like, even on mail now, like it's when it gets processed, like it's stamped with like a date, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. It was so, post dated for yeah. the day um before the sale went public. Yeah, so like I feel like it's pretty easy to fucking track down like where it was sent, like from well, they had like where the letter oh, okay. was dropped off Sorry. from, but there was Sorry. no return address on it, and that it just sense. had yeah. like the address of six fifty seven Boulevard, <laughs> in case anybody forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the address of this place. But yeah, oh fuck, you know what? We need to. I need to become a private investigator. All these things, I'm just like. But then, but then you'd have to be like the watchers, and that's like homeless house. <laughs> like the watcher but like legally allowed to uh so meanwhile the broadduses obviously still had to figure out what to do with um this house so the broadduses hadn't known how their neighbors would react to news about the watcher um but they had lived in the area for a decade and marie maria's family had been part of the community for much longer so it was shocking to find themselves being accused as con artists um Uh, to Derek, it seemed that some in Westfield preferred the conspiracy theory to considering whether their town might be home to a menace. Quote, there's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years, nothing's happened to me. Um, what happened to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe, um, that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield. Um, So while Maria looks back fondly on her childhood, she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home and remembered a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a strange van driving around town. I just saw you, like, look over at me. There's always a fucking strange van. Like, get a different vehicle. Um, Quote, my mother always told me don't have a false sense of security. It wasn't that bad things were going on all the time. It was that bad things happen everywhere. She didn't want me to think that this was Mayberry. End quote. You know what I used to do? I used to um, pretend I was listening to music with headphones in. Mm-hmm. And I'd wear sunglasses and I'd go on the bus because the people could just not... Would, they wouldn't want to ask me questions or talk to me if they thought I wasn't listening to them. Yeah. But I also didn't want to not have headphones in. And then they want me to want to talk to me. But if I had both headphones, then I didn't want them following me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would do the same thing. Like, on the bus, I would... Even if I didn't have anything playing, I would just have, like, my headphones in. Yeah. And, like, walking down the street, I'll either take, like, one earphone out or I'll keep both in but turn, like, whatever I'm listening to off just so I can hear what's going yeah. on around me. I used to, Freddie used to call me 
or I would call him if I was walking home. I'm so sorry, email. But no, I, that's okay. I just remembered that there was one time where I thought someone was following me, and it was just because of echoed down the cul-de-sac, and I just heard Brandon like i've had that happen to me too like when we were living in toronto like um i had to walk like the basement we were renting was in like kind of like a secluded not really a secluded area but you had to walk through this gigantic like empty park with minimal lights to get like to the other side and i would i was on the phone one time with the cash as i was walking back and i was like i hear somebody behind and then I would like slowly turn. I'm like, there's nobody there. What the fuck? And then I finally figured out it was like my own footsteps. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like, you're scared of yourself. Like, good job. Um, yeah, so meanwhile, they were still trying to figure out like what to do with this house. Like move in and, I don't know, play the odds, I guess. Or try and sell it. Um, so some states require sellers to disclose, quote, transient social conditions like murders or possible hauntings. Um, in a 1991 case involving an allegedly ghost-filled house in New York court ruled that, quote, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Um, <laughs> but New Jersey didn't have this regulation, but obviously, like we know, the Broadduses felt like compelled to tell people what the yeah. fuck was going on. Yeah. Um so Derek looked into renting the house to the Department of Veterans Affairs and a company that runs halfway homes. Um I don't think anything really came of that. So in the spring of 2016 they put um the house back on the market hoping it might garner more interest giving given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying they would have ignored them and just moved in. Um, the Broadduses held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and comparing their handwriting to the watchers. <laughs> but each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Broadduses' lawyer to read the letters, they backed out. <laughs> Um, you nonsense. Yeah. Uh, Derek had said, quote, some cocky guy from Staten Island said, fuck it, I'm going to get a house at a discount. He reads the letters and we never hear from him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so feeling as if they were out of options, um, their real estate lawyer proposed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and split the property into two sellable homes. Um, they thought they could get at least a million for the lot. Um, subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, even though it pissed off locals, you know, preserving the neighborhood. <laughs> um, yeah, and 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Um, even so, dividing it re would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. Um, when the proposal was publicly announced, Westfield's Facebook groups lit up. Lit up. Um, some expressed sympathy for the Broadduses, while others pointed out real estate is always a gamble. I'm <laughs> like, shit out of luck for you. <laughs> I remember, I remember me and Brandon, we both agreed that like, if we felt a weird vibe in a house, we wouldn't go see it. We would just listen to each other. Yeah. Like, if he felt the vibe, but I didn't, and it was a perfect house, I'm like, I'm not gonna. 
You got to buy it. You got to go. <laughs> oh, there was a house we looked at um, on Victoria Avenue or Street or whatever it is in Transcona. And, like, you walked in and, like, it had been renovated kind of. But, like, especially when you went up to the bedrooms, it just gave off a real creepy vibe. Like, <laughs> above the doors were, like, numbers. Like, 56 or, like, and I'm, like, <gasps> nope. <laughs> Getting the fuck out of here. Like, no fucking thank you. Um, Yeah, so another faction was convinced that the uh, culmination, or that this was a culmination of a long con. Quote, out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up being nothing more disturbing than this move, a local woman had said. Um, A man who coached the Broadus' son in football wrote, quote, they were in over their head from day one. Um, the application was jarring for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from a lawsuit and had always found it strange that the Broadduses didn't share more information, not seeming to understand they were following orders from the police and trying to protect their kids. Well, yeah, I was thinking about how you guys research for these podcasts. I'm like, because it's the voiceless, right? Like, there's so, the reason why they're voiceless is because there wasn't a lot of news in front of your channel, a lot of these kids, mm-hmm. or women or, ch- or children. So it's really hard to find any information. Any information? <laughs> wow! Yeah, like, I tried to slow that down. It got even dumber. <laughs> well, like with the with the one I'm gonna be recording um, for my next episode, Amber Takaro. She there's a lot of information on her, so I'm like really excited to actually like sit through it. Um, so yeah, but I wish like, I knew more about like things that happened locally because you don't really care about what happens locally. You want to fight for that more. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sorry, That's okay. Um, I was just reading through and skimming and skipping a bunch of notes because uh, it's going to take too long. Um, and it was just a bunch of this is how this went and this went this way and this. Went, and this and it's all in the things. in the article that I'm going to link in the in the bio. So if anybody wants to go read the entire thing, you can. Um, so the board unanimously rejected the proposal for tearing down the house and splitting it into two. So, um, oh, yeah, I remember that because they liked, they thought it would make their uh, neighborhood look like ass. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously Derek and Maria were distraught. Um, even if the plan had gone through, it would have only, um, made their finances like worse. Um, on top of the mortgage and the renovations, which I saw they spent about a hundred grand on renos in a $1.4 million. (laughs) Um, they had paid around a hundred grand in Westfield property taxes as well, which I'm like, holy fuck. That's a lot of property taxes. Yeah. Um, and the town had requ- or denied their request for relief um, for some of the property tax amount. Uh, da, da, da. And then whatever they spent like on investigating the watcher and exploring ways to deal with the home. Um, like they've spent insane amount of money. Yeah. Um, so the Broadduses recognized, yeah, um, that 657 Boulevard fucking hate saying that every time now. <laughs> um was a beautiful house on a beautiful street that was worth maintaining but um we're surprised their neighbors didn't see the uniqueness of the situation you just have to like record the address on like a little button and then you just hit it <laughs> soundboard <laughs> 657 
After the planning board's decision, um, the Broadduses did get some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent um, the house. The renter told the star um, he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Which I'm like, smart. Um, Two weeks later, Derek went to the house to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof. Um, the renter had handed him an envelope that just that had just arrived inside it said violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife Maria So this letter, two and a half years after the Watcher first appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broadduses um, gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. They had actually filed that lawsuit against the former owners. Considering that they got a letter, but apparently, yeah. Yeah. Like, nah, I mean, the, I... the writer literally said, hey, I asked for new blood, they gave me new blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's weird. Um, so this one said, quote, you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. <laughs> Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. Um, This letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. Um, They had seen the media coverage. Quote, I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Um, And they also noted about Derek's uh, investigation efforts. Quote, I watched you as you watch from the dark house in attempt in an attempt to find me telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions um and also noted about the attempt to tear down the house quote 657 boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates (laughs) (laughs) my soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a t they carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Okay. With three exclamation marks. It sounds like it's one of those, like, it's just like a rich group that, like, sold their soul to Satan or something. Yeah. Like, oh, my know, God. And all they have to do is just make sure this house stays alive and shit. And then <laughs> they, they just, just live like, forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was just, like, some weird cult. Uh, have you guys seen that movie, Hide and Seek, where they, like... I've heard about it. Yeah, I think good. so. And then there's also, like, in Hot Fuzz... The greater good. The renter was mentioned, and he was spooked, obviously, but agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house. And the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Quote, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away until it makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. P- 
Planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. Oh, I don't think that that can be, like, that, that sounds like a threat. <laughs> I mean, ah. sounds like a threat to me, but I'm not a police officer. I'm so. not a cop. <laughs> The police officer. I don't know. <laughs> the Maybe. fuck is this? <laughs> um, so Maria said it was like we were back at the beginning, but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation. Derek took the letter to police headquarters where a detective looked at an, a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in there. Derek drew one closer. Quote, in my view, it's one of the 10 houses in the world. Um, so they continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on. Um, and it was possible to look up and down the street and see the watcher in practically anyone. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, uh, I know I have it in here, but I remember... Um, writing down that like Maria would be at like the grocery store with her kids and just like watching everybody who walked by to see if like anybody looked her ki- at her kids in a weird way. Yeah. You would be like I would I be would, so paranoid. I would not be able to get over the paranoia when I found out who it was. You're not safe staying home or you're too scared to leave the house. Mhm. Mhm. Um, So I'm just going to close this out because this could go on for another, like, two hours. Um, But... It's such a spooky case. Yeah, so they never really found out where these letters were coming from. Um, They kind of just gave up on it. And in... I actually have it here. In July 2019, they actually were able to sell the house. Um, So they bought the house for $1,355,000 thousand and some change and they spent a thousand or a hundred thousand on renovations and they're able to sell it in july for nine hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars holy shit so they lost an ass load of money yeah um but i mean at least it's sold and nothing that i could find was happening there anymore so i don't know maybe they just didn't like the couple like it's kind of weird who knows Almost a true crime podcast did an episode on this. Um, it's their one shot episode number ten, the Watcher House. That's why we drink. Did an episode. It's episode one fifteen, um, titled "A Digital Butler and a and Walls Full of Secrets." <laughs> and then Morbid, a true crime podcast, episode thirty seven, the Watcher House. Um, yeah, and like I said a hundred times, the article has, that I'm going to link has. So much information, like. What if he's living in the walls? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like they never actually looked into like the secrets in the walls. Yeah, just a bunch of posted because they weren't allowed to tear down the house. So yeah, and nobody was. And they, they said unanimously, no one wanted to break or uh, bring down the house. Yeah. To stay updated on all our projects or to follow our journey even more closely, you can find us on Instagram at the Voiceless True Crime Podcast, on Twitter at Voiceless True. For any case suggestions, reviews, or comments, you can email us at voicelesspodcast at gmail.com. 
And to donate to our podcast and become a member of our Patreon, head on over to the link in our Instagram bio. Uh, Patrons receive exclusive perks and bonus material. Stay safe, wash your hands, and lock your doors.